0: So it's an emotional roller coaster though. like I, I, I'll say that now and then tomorrow I'll be a wreck. Uh, and that's just how that stuff goes. Um, today, feeling good about it, tomorrow check in, we'll, we'll, we'll see.
1: Welcome to Appalachian Startup. Stories of new ideas that eventually became thriving businesses in areas that most would consider a bad investment. I'm JD Belcher and I started this podcast because I took the same path as a lot of these folks. I'm a former coal miner, and now I make films through my own production company called JJN Multimedia. I wanted to hear others speak of their journey to not only give new beginners hope, but to help me grow as a fellow entrepreneur. Dave Wirtz is CEO and lead developer at Infinity Marketing Solutions located in Hurricane, West Virginia. After NASA visited his school in the early days, his passion for programming kicked in full steam ahead, and his path eventually led him to Colorado. It was there that he decided climbing the corporate ladder wasn't for him. And upon moving back to West Virginia, he took $500 and started Infinity Marketing Solutions in a back office with the purchase of a domain, business license, and two pizzas. After three years, they have put out over 50 websites and have earned reputable clients such as Blinko Glass and many others. We sat down for an honest conversation involving Marketing 101. Enjoy.
0: I would say that we are a full service digital marketing agency with a focus on using data driven technology to drive economic growth for both them and our state in general. What all services does Infinity Marketing offer? So being a, a full service digital marketing agency, um, about anything you could want really, uh, probably too much. Um, they say you sit and straddle, but uh, we find ourselves in that position every now and then. Uh, what we do is we start with uh, the website and we kind of have branded that in a way, we call it a digital backbone um, because it's more than just a website, right? we, you know, being somebody who makes websites, you have to compete with, people's nephews with Wix with you know all these do-it-yourself builders so we kind of have to differentiate from that and so we call it a digital backbone because it's not just the the beautiful presentation it's not just that you know eye-catching stuff it's everything you need to um, really put gas in your machine after you launch it so it has the email marketing built into with email captures it has um, the advanced analytics so uses Facebook pixel Um, we do we set up basically um, when the time comes and you're ready to run ads or, or whatever it happens to be, you're ready to rock and roll. Uh, you're good to go.
1: What's your background? Like, uh, how did you learn to to do
0: all this? I think maybe before even like my professional background, my, I grew up um, with a, an interesting family. My dad's a military man, um, so he's in the Air uh, National Guard, the 130th here in Charleston. Um, so he's a military man, but also a very crafty, very um, artist-y kind of guy, right? And he wouldn't really think he'd fit in the military well, but um, so he actually had, as, as early as I can remember, um, a pottery business called Critter Creek Pottery, and they would actually take stoneware clay and smash it out flat in these giant rollers and build up little uh, houses. Um, and he would, you know, had some that were mass-produced. He actually had people that would um, have them make his their house for him uh, out of clay. So... You know, growing up, we were screen printing boxes and helping load the kiln and all that kind of stuff too. So, being a um, having an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial mindset um, was kind of baked in as, as a kid, um, and so with that too. Um, you know, being on the tech side here, I remember sitting on my dad's lap, um, changing the, the directories to load DOS games and things, right? So, uh, starting out, I had that entrepreneurial um, kind of environment that I was raised in in the tech side, too, to where uh, I was just born with it. Um, I remember one Christmas, I think forget exactly when it was, probably about 95-ish. Um, Windows 95 machine had an encyclopedia on it, and that was about it. And we turned it on, that lion roared, and I am like, wow, this is so cool. This is the neatest thing. Um, and it's really just kind of stuck with me ever since. So, I mean, I've I've had um, – I've been programming as, as early as I can remember, probably since middle school, um, definitely since 2008. And I remember one of the very first things that I did uh, programming-wise, NASA actually came to my middle school. And what they did was like a um, – like a simulator to where they came in and there was a crisis like this kind of fake crisis there was an island they needed to evacuate and this is way back in the wild west what uh days of the web to where they said you could use any website as a reference you wanted and so the people on my island i had to uh, evacuate I actually made a website real quick to where i could hire helicopters mm-hmm. um and i just referenced that so i just hired helicopters got my people off the islands and see you later um and so that uh really and just kind of said, like, you can re- really do some cool stuff with just a little bit of programming. Um, and it's taken off kind of ever since then. So I've loved the web. I love, um, kind of wanted to be an inventor as a kid. So being a web developer lets you make anything that you want, uh, really and truly. Did you go to college? I did. Mm-hmm. Where'd you go? Uh, Marshall University. Awesome. What did you, did you, what did you study? Uh, management of information systems. I was one of the first people through the program.
1: Very cool. So after Marshall, did you kind of know like, yeah, I'm going to start a business or did you go the day
0: job route or did you do both or how did that work? Um, so immediately after college, I actually joined amazon.com. um at the very ground level answering phones, um, very much grunt work type stuff, right chained literally by your head by your headphones to the desk uh, 40 hours a week. And man, I wouldn't have changed it for the world. They've taught me so much. Um, Amazon pours a pretty heavy corporate Kool-Aid, um, they have got a great culture, great leadership environment, things like that, too. Um, and so I worked there for a while. And actually, um, the second quarter of 2011, I was the number one ranked employee for customer service and the number one company ranked for customer service. So I really kind of, you know, you, you can do a lot just by how you talk to people, forming that connection. And really, it's not about what you do. It's just kind of who you are type of thing. Um, So that taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about leadership. But so my time at Marshall, um, I met Brad Smith, the CEO of Intuit. Uh, They make QuickBooks. They're a pretty big deal. They got 98% market share for a reason. They're a very intense company. Um, And Brad Smith said, well, why don't you come out and work for me in Colorado. Um, and so I did. I applied and uh, worked at a call center. There was a, um, a web advisor role. It was hybrid tech, um, tech support, hybrid sales. So it was a good fit for me. And um, I hated it. <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> positively hated it. It was awful. Um, not the right environment for me. It was. It was just a nightmare. But I missed the hills, man. I missed... You know, I wanted to be in this hip, young town, and Colorado it was booming for, uh, for multiple reasons and um, hated it. The girl I moved out there with, we didn't work out. It, was, it all fell apart, man. So I came home to the hills, and um, so thankful I did because I met some new groups of friends. I'm here with the family now, and, you know, to uh, be raised on the literal corn from these hills um, takes a lot to, to leave it. So I had to come home.
1: So customer service at Amazon, I guess you learned how to be patient. A lot of that, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a whole lot of patience. So, you know, did you do you think you took that from Amazon, you know, in the initial days of the business? Because I, you know, uh, you know, most businesses start out, and it's pretty tough to get rolling. Uh, you know, what qualities did you take from those two experiences to to start Infinity Marketing?
0: Sure, absolutely. So, my time in Amazon, um, I. So when I moved back to West Virginia, I started at Amazon again, the ground floor. Um, eventually, worked my way up into a leadership position there in one of their billing centers. Um, they called it back office, and our sister site was in Cape Town, South Africa. And as a lead at Amazon, they take that really seriously. Um, so the leadership tenants that they operate by, I still operate by this to this day. Um, I actually cloned them and implemented them at Infinity. So anytime we talk about you know raises or performance, I need to know. Take these leadership principles and show me how you've enacted them, right? Let's take those principles and show me, you know, in the situation, behavior, impact format, the SBI, what have you done for infinity? Um, That's the same thing that Amazon does. And some of the hardest interviews I've ever been a part of have been in Amazon, completely grueling. Um, So they really, really, really taught me a lot. So by the time um, at the end of my leadership stint there, there was an opening for a business analyst position um, and I got it. And so... Being a BA at Amazon, they give you access to every bit of data. I could have told you what toilet paper Jeff Bezos bought if I wanted to. Um, and I still made $12 an hour. So at this point, that's a couple steps up in the in the corporate ring here, right? I'm climbing that corporate ladder, at least I thought it was. Um, and so I got this BA job. And in fact, that's the I wanted to be a business analyst. That's why I chose an MIS degree in Marshall was to be a BA. So I got it. I was like, all right, here I am hated it. (laughs) Once again, I just worked. It was just awful being in a closet, like literal code monkey, writing 3000 line SQL statements. It was not a lot of fun. It wasn't everything I I cracked up to be. So, um, it it just kind of got to a point where it's like, man, like this isn't it. This isn't my life, right? There's a lot of skills. I'm, I'm needed here and I'm effective, but this is not what I want to do. And so, um, (laughs) another guy there, um great guy hyper intelligent still respects him to this day um I, at the bottom of the hill at the gas station there he was in an rv i didn't know he had quit he quit two weeks earlier um and he's there filling up his rv getting ready to move to south carolina or something crazy like that and he's like you know what man you should quit I Said, dang he's right i really should quit and i did i walked in and quit and it um no notice that, um so if you amazon has a lot of churn there right it's one of those types of places but if you walk in and talk to hr hey i'm leaving as long as you've got the green light, you can walk out. I could be rehired at Amazon today if I wanted to. Um, so they're, they're pretty good about that. Right. But, um, so after Amazon for a while, kind of kicked the tires for a bit and chose the starving freelancer model for a long time, picked up a little bit, couple uh, website projects and literally door to door type stuff. Like, Hey, I make websites. What can I do for you? Um, one of my very first clients just took his website down the other day cause it was awful. Um, Valley Vision Taze and Taze Valley makes up uh, glasses, you know, he's an optician and he was one of my first paying customers and um, just kind of started snowballing from there. And in fact, one of my first businesses was uh, I called it Tim Penny Tech and uh, started out making digital signage so I can make websites. If you hook up a 55 inch TV to a website, it looks like digital signage, right? Nobody really knows the difference. It can be dynamic and refresh and do all kinds of cool stuff. Um, and so I tried a couple of things there, never really got off the ground. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I was just trying stuff. Um, and so eventually, kind of decided. Uh, actually, when um, came time to form Infinity after a couple of years of freelancing, literally starving artist mode. Um, a couple of guys got together, uh, a couple of friends actually, and they just say you shouldn't hire or work with your friends. We can talk about that here in a minute about how that worked out. But um, we decided, you know, that, hey, we're smart. Um, We want to be effective. We're a resource pool that's not being utilized right now. So what are we doing? So we got together and we decided to do something, and that something turned out to be Infinity. Very cool. So how old were you when you quit? I was 28. Did you had, – had
1: you already started a family and all that? No. no. No? Okay, so you didn't have that pressure of like, well, you know, i got got uh, mouths to feed. Or true. I true. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so day one, structuring your new business. Now, you mentioned you didn't know what you were doing. I mean, no one does when they start out. I don't think. I know I didn't. Um, so how did you – how long did it take you to develop some type of structure – uh, for infinity marketing? Like how did you start to pull,
0: uh, inquiries or, or solid regular work? Mm-hmm. It definitely took us a while. Um, I wish I could tell you, so oh yeah, we figured it out in six months. I'm, i would say we're still trying to figure that out. Um, it's a continually evolving thing. Um, we started with $500 of my own money, um, that got us business cards, got us a domain, got us a couple pizzas for in the, in the office. Uh, one of the co- uh, co-founders, um, knew a lawyer. We got to start in her back office, just a spare room. So we were, you know, still to this day, we try to be as frugal as one of Amazon's, um, um, leadership tenants, we try to take that to heart, try to be as frugal as possible. So, um, starting with low overheads where we didn't have to pay for an office, um, our next office we actually had for um, not for free, but we did a direct exchange of value. So, um, he gave us rent and we gave him X amount of dollars worth of digital marketing services. So, we've been as lean as possible um, starting out, and that's how it is still today. So, we have a new office in Hurricane, same thing. Um, we provide digital marketing services in exchange for our rent. So, we get to be incredibly lean in that way. Um, but, really, just a, a lot of good old fashioned uh, networking, door knocking. I mean, we started out on the ground level, you know, being a digital marketing agency. We should start running ads and doing that whole thing that takes money it takes time to optimize and then you don't really have a guaranteed return on that especially at the startup stage especially before you really have much to claim to fame or anything else um, so we really just boots on the ground picking up the phone cold calling we had uh, prospect lists you know who fits who would be a good fit for us let's go grab people just manual data mining and um, it was not a very glorious process at all
1: so what is the structure like now uh, and what year did you start Infinity Marketing?
0: Three years ago. Oh, uh,
1: whenever that was. Hey, three <laughs> years ago.
0: Yeah, here I you did go. the same thing. Um, what's the structure look like now? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, we've actually, you know, when you asked me to be on here, I felt kind of sheepish. We've been through a little bit of di- downsizing, quite honestly. Um, the model that we had before, we would try to basically kind of pay people like a small part time, effectively salary, just to be on tap, to be available, and that kind of stuff. And it really. You know, if the business wasn't coming in, the bank account would just drain out and, you know, this is not sustainable for us. So we've kind of shifted to uh, now we have um, two people um, as co-owners and the rest are independent contractors. Um, And it's unfortunate, you know, I don't like to have to do that, right? I would love to be able to hire people full time and offer them benefits on it. Yeah, that's just not in the books right
1: now. No, that's a good. I'm glad you brought that up because that's the way um, most businesses in Appalachia mm-hmm. stay afloat. Because you know, I contract uh, all of our productions, all of our bigger productions. I contract most of the crew, and and yeah, you just you got to do that until you have enough revenue to uh, to responsibly move on. So, when did you figure out? Like, was it pretty quick that you had to restructure or?
0: You know, did it take a little while? It took a while. Um, it was that, you know, being – I don't know if it's because we're Appalachians or maybe I'm just a big softy. I really don't know. But I wanted my team to grow and build, and they'd stuck with me. And I, I couldn't stomach the thought of, you know, saying, hey, guys, sorry, paychecks aren't going to be there next week or what have you. Um, but it was this give and take back and forth to where, you know, payroll got paid, but maybe owners didn't get paid or whatever. So it's something I had to give there eventually, and we kind of hit a – Um, hit a really hard wall a couple months ago. Um, you know, if I could tell anybody like, uh, learn from my advice or whatever, but be careful who you go into business with, um, be careful how you structure that more importantly. Um, you know, the, there are some like, don't hire your friends and that kind of stuff that, that those cliches and idioms are there for a reason. They should be the test of time. And so some of those things kind of bit us in the butt and we've had to recover and then we've got something else. I mean, I'm living, walking proof that you can make about any every mistake in your business and still struggle along, and still do it if you if you got the drive and you can stay with it. Um, so w- right now what we're doing, um, we try to be everything to everybody. We, we went in this like, growth. We wanted to be explosive. I mean, we have over 52 websites we published in three years. Um, we've been incredibly busy in that regards, but right now we're kind of shifting our focus to... Um, A couple anchor clients. And that's really what we should have had to begin with, right? Those couple big anchor people, but we've just now built up and more importantly, we've built them up uh, to the point to where they can now afford to pay us um, um, something reasonable to to live off of. Um, For instance, Blinko, Um, you know, they were on their last leg and we started, Blinko was one of our first big clients we picked up. I mean, I didn't think they could even pay us for the initial project that we booked it for them. I mean, it was that bad. Um, they were robbing Peter to pay Paul in some instances. And forget a, a retainer, they couldn't afford that. I mean, when we, you know, we, we came in way under. But from all that hard work and, you know, starving through and suffering through for so long, um, we actually doubled our time commitment there with Blinko. Uh, so we're there just shy of full time now. Um, Blinko's my bread and butter at this point in time.
1: Awesome. And Blinko Glass, it's a West Virginia staple. Uh, how mm-hmm. long has Blinko been
0: around? 126 years
1: nice so you know how do you approach um you know dedicated client work like what is your monthly goal with blinko or do you kind of stretch it out to be yearly
0: or yearly do you have both kind of goals how does that work um it's it's mostly mostly a, a revenue goal right so we try to differentiate ourselves more than any other agency you know, growing up, you think agency, um, guys in suits and Cadillacs type stuff. Right. So being, um, the small kind of agency that we are, if I'm not making you money, I'm not going to take your money. Right. So you're not going to pay me 10 grand a month or whatever. And maybe I'll, I'll show up to a couple meetings and that's that like that. That's not what we're out to do. That's not good for the client. Really. That just makes me feel icky and I couldn't do that. Um, so we tie it to revenue. We tie it to growth. We set goals for ourselves. Um, I mean, we started out with a $500 retainer by the month. And I mean, we were grueling so hard for that. Um, and then we built them up and built them up and built them up. And now they're in a lot better shape now, better shape than they've ever been in. Um, revenue's growing across the board. Um, I mean, it's all, it's all green lights there. So it's really, you know, if if I can't make you money, I'm not gonna work for you. I'm not gonna try. I mean, we'll, we'll cut ties and wish you the best of luck and move on. But, um, you know, finding people like Blinko who. You know, they're all about the history and, and staying local, and you know, ha- having that local community impact. And they just resonated so well with us, and, and us with them. Uh, Dean, the uh, general manager there, he says he has an affinity for infinity, uh, <laughs> and so it worked out really well for us. That's
1: awesome. So, you know, having a client like that, do you see like referral business come along and in inquiries? Mm-hmm. Uh, how does? How do you bring in those opportunities
0: that you all can capitalize on? Sure, 100%. Um, thankfully, right now, it's almost on autopilot. We've done so much good work. We've impacted so many businesses. We've been so busy for so long that uh, all i got to do is just check my email now. Like we get cold calls, cold referrals. Um, there, We're kind of to the point now where we've realized, you know, Truly, everybody needs our help in this state. You know, if you're a small business, there are things you should be doing on digital marketing sides that you're either not doing that could impact you. You know, there's there are opportunities there uh, abound for everybody, but um, it's it's really, you know, I, I don't ever want to turn people down, right? Because this is why I'm here. It's why I'm passionate about. It. I want to help everybody, but now it's to the point where you know the small people they take twice as much time, and they didn't have twice as less budgets to work with. So we we always try to find a way, and I'll, I'll be happy to you know jump on the phone and consult with you or whatever and you know try to get them going. But um, we've been a little bit pickier about our clients now, uh, more so than, than normal. And I think that's a blessing. Not everybody has that luxury, um, but we're just now to the point to where we can... I hesitate to say, be picky because that, that's not doesn't sound good at all, right? Especially for my goals here for the state. But um, well, do the work you're passionate about. Exactly right. It's kind of staying in your lane, and, and the passion is a big part of it too. Definitely,
1: and that and that is a luxury to have, Um, which we've kind of we've been the same way throughout the process. Because you know we'd have stragglers come along throughout the way, and they're good people, but they just don't have the budget. And you know, thankfully, we've been able to. Uh, to nicely pass those up. And, and now, you know, we see that we have a lot of time to do what we love and to work with clients we want to work with. Uh, So what would you say, what's some, what are some important qualities an Appalachian must have to go into business and to be able to thrive here?
0: Sure. Um, I would say that same stubbornness that you know, that we're, I feel like we're all born with at the core of our soul. I think it's in our DNA. Um, you're going to need a lot of that. Um, and really just kind of staying true to it. Anytime that we've kind of not necessarily got hot water, but we're, you know, that like you're doing something that just doesn't make much sense or what have you, we've really kind of we, we felt it in our gut. Um, I think that kind of gut instinct stuff that and I just feel like, you know, Appalachians were just a different breed of people and we kind of got it and you really kind of relay, uh, rely on that. Um, Also, too, networking. You know, people, everybody knows each other out the holler and that kind of stuff, too, and it's just kind of that same thing. People love when you do good hard work. Um, You know, I think... You so see my my dad come over from the military, and then he go work um, for um, baling hay or cleaning the barn out, or whatever it happens to be. It's just that hard work, determination that us um, Appalachians are, are baked in. Once we see it in somebody else, and we know oh, that that's a hardworking guy right there, what have you, that it just grows. It takes a life of its own, really.
1: Probably a good point there with network. Like, how long did, have you always known? Certain people that had the same things in common as you when it comes to the business world or how did you develop a network?
0: Man, I, I truly struggled with that. Um you asked me earlier really about um where I went to school and I think I didn't network at all in college. Um I was listening to Ben Barry's interview talking about how important that network is that you get when you graduate. Man, I I kept myself in a closet and I showed up, um, and did my thing and went home. Um and I'm I'm just now realizing now that that network is so important. Less mobile devices and, and introvert you know this makes me a little bit uncomfortable to be honest with you you're talking mm-hmm. on the podcast you're it's doing weird. great <laughs> man I can't, I can't tell keep it rolling <laughs> this is uh it, it's it's weird for me it doesn't come natural right so i have to force myself to be uncomfortable every single day Um, and that's uh i think once people realize you know that they see why you're doing it not necessarily what you're doing um they they just get this spark and they, they can't help but Share your what you're doing and share your passion.
1: A lot of things that held me back from, you know, finding my network early on, um, uh, you know, is low self-esteem. And I was just like, oh, they know so much more than me. I can't talk to them. You know, I'll make myself sound stupid. But when I figured out like, hey, man, there's a lot of people that don't necessarily what they know what they're doing either. So, I found being honest and just opening myself up. It seemed that people resonated with that. So, is that kind of the same with you? Like in the beginning, you was kind of closed off, and then that those doors opened over time.
0: Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Imposter syndrome, very real. Um, just because i you know, I don't know how to make a website. So, there are tons of people on the planet. Um, but once you you start getting that confidence. You start realizing, like, wow, I actually can have an impact. And what I do um, really does have a lot of value to it in a lot of ways. And more importantly, the way that you do it is, is really good, right? You are you know for a fact that you'll treat customers well. You know for a fact that you'll bend over backwards to make sure that they're successful. And um, it makes you feel good. And it's kind of also, to the um, going back to Amazon, the leadership tenants and having some of those principles like bias for action. Um, there's, you know, once you kind of have that framework to operate in, now it's not so bad, right? If you if you have that drive, you can just do it. You can stick to it, and you can make a lot of stuff happen. But it's really just um, having the having the, the gumption
1: to do it. Yeah, and the drive. Mm-hmm. So, uh, how did you figure out pricing models? Uh, did you pull that? You know, you, you had a lot of data access, this and that. Did you did you Was it trial and error figuring out how much to co- things cost?
0: Mhm. A lot of trial and error. We we still test and try to figure that stuff out too. Um, you know, a lot of the businesses around The people that need the help most surely can't afford it. So you got to get kind of creative sometimes. Uh, we barter a lot, um, which is really cool, right? We barter for rent, which is pretty nice. Um, the there are, uh, I mean if you Google like web design pricing, like, you're going to get millions of results and lots of ways to do it. One that we've had pretty good luck with is the value added approach. So if my website can help make you a hundred thousand dollars and I'll take X percent of that and just kind of, you know, it comes out in the wash. Uh, Cause we're still helping you make, make more money. We get our costs covered and everybody goes home happy. Um, that works out pretty well. A lot of times um, I think sometimes people kind of get spooked off by that. It's like, well, you know, you're just, picking a price willy nilly it's like well it's kind of true but also not really right here it is with this spreadsheet i just built for using real hard data that you gave me here's projections here's what you're going to return and so it, it comes back to to trust a lot right they got to trust you to do it and you know we have the experience now and um the testimonials alone to where we can really kind of command that um but um you know really and truly i, I wish i could have you know like a builder your own website you know check price thing right you can go online add a website to your cart and all the different add-ons that make my life super easy but um that, that, that surely wouldn't work sure well, I, I
1: love the, that approach because it's you know you're both vested into uh into the project mm-hmm. so i think a lot of clients would see the value in that
0: just as like well they're taking a chance too mm-hmm. so so, yeah, and, and that's um, I read a book a while back by John Chambers, the CEO of Cisco. They got that make networking equipment and stuff, right? Big Cisco's big. Uh, he's also from West Virginia. You should get John Chambers on here. That'd be a best podcast. Um, but anyways, the the book's called Connecting the Dots, and it's, it's a lot of stories about ho- him and a holler growing up in West Virginia type stuff too, right? But. Um, uh, he really I remember sitting on my lawn listening to it in an audiobook and he, he kind of rocked my world about how he positions partnerships for Cisco um, he actually forms partnerships with like countries and brings countries online and the economic value that that would provide he really kind of um, like man, we we need to do that too, and that that's the best thing we've done for the business. Probably is, is we we don't really sell websites anymore. We don't sell graphic design or anything else. It's we sell partnerships, um, and so we come home at a level that they're comfortable with, and then we help literally build them up, and then as they grow, we grow with it, um, and it's just uh, the better we do, the better they do, and vice versa. And it's um, I think West Virginians especially kind of latch onto that, um, you know. We we have a history of resource extraction. People coming in, taking their money, and then just piecing out, seeing you later. Um, so once they understand you're here for the same reasons that they are, and you're locked in for the long term of it, they, they get on board pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, I, I feel the same. Like technology is the same way. You know, just because I live in Appalachia doesn't mean I should be paid less to code than this person. Right. You know, yep. I, I I totally agree with that. So the graphic design. Are you're a graphic designer, right?
0: Oh, oh, man, <laughs> I, I have Photoshop on my computer, uh, <laughs> right. if that makes me... I definitely not, no. Um, okay. So one of those other little items I was talking about earlier is like, don't work with your family members. So I broke that one, too, um, and it's actually been one of the best things I've done because my sister is actually our creative director, um, One of, in my opinion, one of the ba- st- state's best graphic designers. Uh, she's worked for several agencies here in the area. You guys have driven past her billboards and vehicle wraps, um, and she, thankfully enough, came on board with Infinity, um, and so really was with infinity i like I can do photo manipulation I can opt stuff for uh for the web and that kind of things too but if you want me to sit down and originate a logo or hand skate I'm not that guy um and so a lot of this too a lot of my learning has been like stay in your lane Dave don't don't try to be everything to everybody I mean I even you know um, skate videos as a high school kid and stuff you know so I thought I well I could make a video I can you know control shift s and photoshop and so um and it all just kind of came together but quickly realized that you need the pros for that and she is i mean we went through a couple of graphic designers um you know kind of standard rate type stuff but um i pay her she's the highest paid member of infinity um for a very particular reason because she can do the job the first time correctly and knock it out of the park every single time oh
1: yeah y'all do great work yeah that's that's awesome and it's good to have someone like that Uh, that you can really bounce ideas off of without judgment because, you know, you've been around each other your whole life, so you can be honest. Um, so, you know, how do you work through that relationship? You're like, Oh, I knew when you was 12 and you used to like, you know, do something that annoyed me, you know, whatever. Uh, how do you work through that and, and enter the business world working with your sister?
0: You know, there's not a whole lot of work in there to be done, honestly. She's a great gal. love her to death. Um, my family is, you know, the, one, the the reason that I do anything, honestly. Um, try to fill their shoes. i got some really big shoes to fill. Um, they've really set the stage for me um, to, to grow and do big things. So uh, working with her is, is a dream, really. Yeah, we kind of go back and forth, and she tells me I'm dumb, and she's probably almost always right. <laughs> but um, she... Uh, I mean, wouldn't change the relationship for the world. I have a 7-year-old niece, she comes in and she actually has her own uh office in our office. So she's come in and after school type stuff and kind of hang out a little bit and that's really good.
1: Awesome. Yeah, that's 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 great that y'all have established that that workflow. Mm-hmm. Uh so Okay, so someone comes to you uh, and says, hey, I need a website and I need, you know, this and that, and they don't really know what they want. How do you tackle that approach of, of coming up with, a, with an idea that they would, you know, be down for uh,
0: purchasing? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, usually show them what their competitors is doing. Um, bring it right up, show it right in front of them. Uh, a lot of times, you know, they might have a website and they're embarrassed to show it to you. Like, oh, it looks so bad, I don't want to show you. Um, so we go through, we do like a little SWOT analysis: strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, and we look and see, you know, what your competitors doing. So we need to get you up to parity. What's your what your competitors spending, or what they're doing, or the placements that they have? Um, and then, like, okay, do you want to stay there? Or do you want to beat them? And then we kind of, you know, mark on budgets with them and uh, calculate ROI and see where they're going to be. And um, it's really kind of. A little bit of guilt trip, a little bit of shaming on them uh, to to show them this is what you should be doing. Um, in fact, there's an um, uh, ice cream shop. let will mention names. But um, they need a new website, and they need to do some extra marketing stuff. And I sent them, um, there's McConnell's Ice Cream from California. I was just kind of Googling, you know, what does a good ice cream website look like? Uh, one of our co-founders, um, the, the, something that he said with me that stuck with me is people, no, excuse me. Well, two things. So number one, um, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And then number two, good artists borrow, great artists steal. Um, and so it's kind of emulating what other people are doing. And at first I know everything has to be custom coded by hand and, you know, you can't, can't do that. But now time is money. Um, you crank it out as quick as you can to, to, to make the business happen. Right.
1: And you know, with technology as it develops, uh, there's a lot of platforms that you can build things in a lot quicker. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, which we develop websites and we, we believe in, in like, you know, a, a template is only a template if you don't change it. So, you know, we definitely have a base that we build off of and then work our way up from there. Is that kind of the same process that you all take?
0: Pretty similar. Yeah, absolutely. Um do you guys use WordPress? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, you know, some people might get their, um, uh, get their feathers ruffled about using WordPress. Well, it's free and anybody could use it. like, well, yeah, but we're talking about like rather rapid prototyping your website, building that up. I can build out a website and design it quicker than I can in Photoshop most times. Um, and just so good. do this stuff with my eyes closed now. Um, but yeah, I mean it's WordPress is really good and it's not just WordPress, but having a off the shelf open source system that, you know, has user management, has post types, all that kind of stuff. doesn't really matter. It just happens to be WordPress. Um, and so if you're willing to, you know, recycle stuff for your post types and your user management and your crud and that kind of stuff. Um, why not for a theme? Right.
1: Well, yeah. And I'll debate people on WordPress all day because, you know, you still have to have that aesthetic eye to know what looks good to know, you know, what type of, uh, how to structure the site for maximum efficiency, uh, you know, and plus, you know, say you get someone wanting to do a build and then turn it over. You know, it's it's a lot more user friendly. Uh, it's a lot more cost effective one, and and you can you can train people to manage. You know, yeah, to do small things to their sites. So yeah, I'm a big WordPress fan. I think it's great. Yeah,
0: we um, we're really big about ownership in our company, both internally and how we operate. Right, taking ownership of your own projects or whatever happens to be but um, instilling ownership in our clients. So down to the domain, um, I can tell you like most times, most entry points we have for clients like, well, I don't know where my domain is or what happened to it. They happen to have a business critical email attached to it and they let it lapse or some other agency has it and they just don't know what to do. So every single time we fight that good fight and we get in the domain back under their control. Um, of course we do manage some and we have agreements with people that they just don't want to fool with it. But owning your website, owning your domain and owning your digital properties is so important. And so you know i turn over websites every single time to people you have access to it i'm not playing the game where you have to pay me you know x amount of dollars per hour just to ransom yeah that's exactly what it is a lot of times um and so we just don't do that you know we don't need that it's it's not a good thing not a good position to be in um so wordpress helps with that in a lot of ways
1: i believe that too um you know teach their own but we never really followed the ransom model is what i call it but it's essentially you know, your domain's being held hostage <laughs> and, you know, you have to pay this amount and essentially pay
0: the company for no work. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's my big beef, too, right? You didn't earn that. You bought it for 20 bucks. Just give it to me. Like, come on. like Don't play this game with me. But it's a commodity like anything else. Buy, sure. Buy low, high.
1: Which I guess it's, the you know, depending on the URL and what you do and what the business does, you know. But then. But, yeah, yeah, we do the we do the same stuff. Um so uh when you turn over the website to a client for instance how do you train them on the layout of the
0: website Sure. Uh, the way we build it, we make it pretty stupid simple to where they really don't have to learn anything much. We use a, a special theme that has a drag and drop page builder on it, which is pretty cool. Even people struggle with that a lot of times too. You're not, you're not a web author. You don't do this for a living. So it's just kind of foreign to a lot of people. Uh, so we really just kind of make it as, as easy as possible. WordPress actually by default has a, an email that you can email into that will create a post for you. So now it's just like, okay, just send an email here. Boom, your post is live. It's super easy. Um, so And then what we'll do is we'll build, you know, um, the homepage, for instance, we'll pull those live posts or, or maybe even pull Facebook posts, whatever it happens to be. So we try to automate as much as possible. Nobody wants to sit around and update websites. It's not a, not a lot of fun. Writing blog articles is, is uh, pulling teeth, I think, a lot of times. But. Right.
1: Yeah. And how do you and your your sister work together um, you know, in building websites, do you come up with a structure of a, a plan like, okay, we're going to need designs for this, this, and this. You know, I'm going to develop this, this, and
0: that. How does that work? So we really kind of look and see what assets we have available to us. I mean, if they maybe they have a logo. Maybe they don't have even a color scheme in mind, right? A lot of people, well, just build me a website. And they don't care, but a lot of people do care, um, and as rightfully they should. So sometimes we'll start in the design process first. Um, and just kind of get that, you know, like a flat mock-up, have them sign off on it. We should do that more, (laughs) but it's another, it's a revision cycle and more overhead. And, you know, I could have built the dang thing already. Let's just roll with it. Um, so it it really kind of depends, but either revisions in the design phase we start with, or I just start building it out, man. Um, we have a document, we call it a pre-work form that asks you, you know, okay, so you're probably going to need an about us page. What should go on there? Um, what's your tagline, that kind of stuff. And so we, we start with that content and we kind of work backwards from there. But, um, you know, I can, I can do a lot in an evening's time. So mm-hmm. depending on the project or where it happens to be. Um, but I've also realized without the flat mock-up or without the pre-work form and, uh, they just expect the websites to pop out of the ground, you know, ready to rock and roll. And it just doesn't happen that way. So, um, we, we try not to get caught in revision cycles and asking for headshots, or whatever it happens to be. Um, we really just try to get, um, the The first iteration up, because i um, not 100% website's better than no website a lot of times, and there's no such thing as a finished website, just website that you're working on. So it's um, it's a continual, living, breathing thing. We can always hone in and continue to improve moving forward. So it's um, it doesn't have to be 100% at launch, um, and so we get it at live. People always have suggestions or ideas after the fact. Um, and so our, our post-launch process, we're, we're pretty leaning on. We have a revision cycle. Typically, we do seven days, sometimes up to 30 days, depending on what they need. But um, we're kind of on tap for you. So as you start to do stuff, you know, we're on call and call us, email us, chat, whatever it happens to be. Um, and we'd we be certain. We're, we are we just take such good care of our clients that, you know, if whatever you need to, to know to do or whatever happens to be, we're, we'll make sure that you know how to do it. Perfect. So you have a,
1: do you have kind of a scientific process now of from, you know, soup to nuts? This is how long it's going to take.
0: Yeah, we kind of have some benchmarks set in mind. Um, we should do better. You know, we're nerds at heart. We should know better. Um, and have the stuff quantified and try to stick to it and really we're it's widgets right it's a production facility no more than blink of making glass or anything else you have X amount of hours and you got to crank the stuff out but um, really and true a lot of times especially since we scale back we're trying to you know be a little bit more picky about who we're, we're accepting it's um, we don't quite we're not quite as rigid with our, our internal processes we probably should be but <laughs> we're not right
1: oh, no, no I mean each, each each business is different so how do you set those expectations? Expectations when you a, a build is greenlit. How do you set
0: expectations with a client? Sure, we're pretty much on tap with them. And I think it's part of the partnership thing too, right? And you you have a closer relationship with the client. Um, we're in communications with them all the time. A lot of emails flying around back and forth. Um, but really, though, um, always under promise, over deliver, and that's one thing that Amazon does in a real big way. Um, um, I'm, I'm sure you guys think like, if you're going to quote a project, double it, <laughs> and that's kind of the rule of thumb, and that's something that we stuck with. Um, sometimes even that isn't enough time, or whatever, same thing things go wrong uh, quite often. So, um, but really, managing expectations, we start from the get go. We document it all. We have a real nice contract. Um, it's not. We have no legalese in our contract. It's a payment scope and a work scope. Um, and it's, it's very short and sweet. We you know, um, and as long as they have that and signed on to it, and we stick to it. It's pretty. Pretty straightforward.
1: Very good. Um, And, you know, when things do go wrong, and they do for everyone, Mm -hmm. um, how do you approach those situations, uh, you know, pending on what happened?
0: Mm -hmm. um, It's something that Amazon taught me. You just got to get ahead of it first. Don't let it fester. Don't let it boil. Don't let it, you know, if you trust in your gut type of thing, if like this is going to be a problem later type of thing. And you kind of get a feel for that. Uh, Get out ahead of it first, and then if something does go wrong and it's already happened, the cat's out of the bag type of thing, own it 110%. uh, Swing into it. Uh, Take as as much responsibility as as, as reasonable, maybe a little bit more to, you know, you shouldn't have let this incident happen. Um, It's really all about how you act at the time. You know, we've had a couple doozies uh, in, in a real big way um, you know, calling no showing for a Senator or something crazy like that. Right. a sure. real bad time. Yeah. Um, there's not a whole lot you can do besides beg complete at that point. Right. Or you, you know, uh, you manage a
1: site that all of a sudden is getting, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. of donations. Mm-hmm. And then it, when money's involved, you're like, uh, hundred uh, yep, percent. Yeah. That's a big one. Yep. It's, yeah. It's, uh, all of a sudden something crashes and you get 12 phone calls and especially, okay, that brings me to this. Like, Having a product that is constantly under the operation of things that are out of your control, hosting, um, how do you, uh, you know, most of the time things are okay, but how does it feel knowing that every product is essentially going to be controlled
0: by this next update? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a very valid point. A lot of times like Blinko, we've migrated them um, both in, in, in every way possible to the cloud i uh, done that for a couple of different reasons. Keeping stuff in-house, it's just a nightmare, right? And the services are almost always better anyway, so we've, we've fully migrated them to the cloud. We actually had a talk, talk today, you know, if their internet goes out, their payment processor is not going to work. They can't run credit cards and that kind of stuff. So they have a, a couple of different layers of um, redundancy there. But let's say, I don't know, fiber line between a couple uh, Amazon servers go down, right? Or maybe it gets cut or what have you. The... Just the other day there was a line I think in Barbersville fiber line got cut. It was out for like uh, most of the day. Um what are you going to do? Nothing. You really can't make maybe make hotspot on your phone, but um I mean mm-hmm. I hope a nuke doesn't go off over the East Coast or something cuz we're screwed. Um but um so we've gone through a couple different iterations of hosting. I mean my first host, don't judge me for this, was Bluehost way back in the day. You get a guy like hosting for like a dollar and you can get unlimited sites on Oh wow. shared <laughs> hosting. It was dirt cheap and Slaying son. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's uh, <laughs> It, uh, it, it performed like a dollar a month type of deal. Um, so we've, we've gone through a bunch of different iterations. I mean, when I first started, I didn't really understand like unlimited websites. Sounds great. Um, but now we understand we've, um, Bryce, my uh, co-owner right now, couldn't do anything in Affinity without him truly. Um, he, he's kind of my backend server side guy. So we have um, an AWS stack right now. He was on web services. And, man, those websites are screaming high up time. We've got backups at the wazoo. I've got a whole account and terabytes of backups just in case. Um, we need to go through and purge some of that stuff make some room. But, um, you know, if I didn't have constant recurring backups for a lot of our high production sites, we got backups every four hours so we could restore to um, a lot of that stuff's like customer information stuff, too. If that's gone, we're, everybody's hurting.
1: Yeah, and that's things that, you know, not a lot of people think about. Like we host through GoDaddy and they have a lot of different options uh, but if there's one thing i suggest you know to a client that they don't save money on it's its hosting cuz you know with those reputable companies you get options like the backups and the extra security and the you know stuff that you don't really think about um so so yeah i mean uh, i highly agree with that you mentioned the backups like how important is that with a website like okay something goes down what's your first step
0: to fix it uh get on my knees and say a couple hilarious and uh, pray to whoever will listen to me. Um but uh definitely panic mode kicks in first um describe to the client, you know, hey, look, we're prepared for this type of thing, right? Um uh, so we can always restore. Literally, thankfully, um with WordPress, I've got a one-click backup, one-click restore, super duper nice, really easy. Everything's um we we'll actually store backups in three separate places, uh locally in two separate off-site servers. So I mean If um, I can't back you up, we got bigger problems across the board. So we thankfully we solved for that a long time ago. Just simply because um, you know we're your web host, and we really try not to. tell people like look where the end all be are what have you you know this is guaranteed here for good because you got to pay server some server space somewhere else that stuff's coming down um but you know we, we try not to be the guardians of the people's data we actually provide those backups to people too if they want them we'll copy them on them um so we we just um uh, buckle down and do the thing awesome yeah so process has been developed
1: now throughout the time i i have you figured out like, you know, with me, I've noticed I'm a lot more anxious than I used to be. You know, you don't think about things, uh, the pressure of providing your own paycheck and, you know, especially having a family. And, you know, now the, you know, it, it's the, uh, the it's you've set standards really high and you got to keep on progressing. Um, have you developed uh, any type of anxiousness or anxiety, you know, throughout this process?
0: Oh, I had it, and then developed more of it <laughs> when um, once this thing's uh, kind of turned up. Now because too far, I can't quit now. Too deep in, so right. Too many people depend on me. This this machine is fired up a hundred percent. I think I mentioned earlier about just being uncomfortable always. Um, and part of that's growth, right? And part of it's, you know, you got to be uncomfortable to grow and you start to learn more. But um, these last couple of months, I think especially with Bryce and I working so closely together and so well together as we do, that I have such confidence in him and us and the results that we're showing now that that anxiousness, it's just a voice, in the, a smaller voice than it used to be, actually. Um, so it's it's an emotional roller coaster, though. Like I, I, I'll say that now, and then tomorrow I'll be a wreck, uh, and that's just how that stuff goes. Um, today feeling good about it, tomorrow checking. We'll 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 see. That's kind of the fun part about it, though, because you're not really sure, and
1: it's kind of the you know why it takes a certain level of uh, I don't know if it's insanity the word, but you know to be an entrepreneur you really gotta not
0: be so analytical about your future. If that makes sense. You do have to be crazy. You got to unhinge a little bit and kind of, um, a good amount of craziness helps. I think in this, in this field, definitely a risk taker. Yeah, hear that for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so, you know, final question, um, uh, when, when this is all over and, and you decide to hang up the mouse, uh, what do you want people to know about, you know, I'm a I'm an Appalachian web developer and, and a marketing specialist, uh, and I started this company. You know, what What do you hope people take away
0: from that? I think ideally um, I'd like for me and them and, and everybody else to be like, wow, like you worked for Blinko. Well, they're here 176 years now and all this type of stuff. I, I want more importantly than infinity or, or me, I want to see the lasting impact that we've had through our services. You know, I want to see like we just launched um, or rather helped launch um, an app called the worker pro. Um, that's small towns in just Maryland. I mean, you know, so I want to see the worker pro be the Uber of uh, skilled labor on demand and I want them to disrupt that market. I want to see this stuff grow. So all these little seeds have been planting uh, this whole time. I want to, see that take off i want to you know see him grow what are you going to say to that kid who's you know figuring out coding
1: in seventh grade right now and they want to move to colorado when they graduate high school what would you tell
0: them on uh, the possibilities here in appalachia and tell them go make some mistakes um Learn from them. Appalachia is going to be here, uh, no matter what's kind of what's best about us, right? We're we're not changing anytime soon, I don't think. Um, so go out, make some mistakes, learn some. Um, try it anyways. You can always try something else later. Dave, I'm happy to know you and
1: appreciate the in depth and motivating conversation. You can find out more about Infinity Marketing Solutions by visiting their Facebook page or website at infinitymarketingwv.com. Appalachian Startup is a bi-weekly podcast, so be sure to check back for more stories of entrepreneurship, like us on Facebook and Instagram, and support the show by grabbing a sticker from our online store at appalachianstartup.com. Review our podcast on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud as well. We are on Patreon. You can support the show there and allow us to showcase more businesses in Appalachia. Stay tuned for more stories of underdogs on the rise.